Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. So, Shui, i got to tell you, edited a little bit earlier than, than usual last week, which meant that I had all of Thursday night to myself. I didn't know what to do with myself. Happened to be, basically the night before Christmas, hmm. trade deadline day. So I was up till ridiculous o'clock live tweeting during the extravaganza that was. And thank God it was a great deadline. I just had a feeling we might get some good ones. Did you feel like we were going to get some good ones? This I felt like Simmons and Harden were going to get traded. I didn't think there'd be much else. Yeah, okay. I'm glad. Okay. I'm so glad I was wrong. Yeah, I feel like there might be a few. And well, if you believed Woj, Simmons wasn't getting traded. And if you believed Windy, he was. Windy was right in the end. Ben Simmons. Off to the Philadelphia 76ers to get James Harden. I'll allow you to expound on the details. Yeah, so Brooklyn get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick, which will uh, they have the right to defer that till 2023, and a top eight protected 2027 first round pick. The Sixers get James Harden and Paul Millsap. What are your thoughts on this one? Oh, it's fascinating, isn't it? So it's basically the trade of the pouters, uh, the trade of the <laughs> divas, whatever you want to call it. I mean, obviously there's that Aussie connection. So we do want the best for Ben, but he has tested a lot of our patients over the years. James Harden, on the other hand, I mean, what are the names? Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. How many superstars has he wanted to play with and then grown weary of within five minutes? Kyrie Irving. You can add him to the list now. Kevin Durant. So look, we've talked about it before. I'll keep talking about it. I'm not a big Harden fan at all. I mean, It's got nothing to do with his talent. He's supremely talented, amazingly talented. But I think he's a douchebag. I think he doesn't play D. And I think that he quits when the going gets tough. So, yeah, in some ways, it's a fitting trade for both guys. Mm. I think Philly probably feel like they won the trade, but I actually think Brooklyn won the trade. And it's really interesting to hear a lot of the experts saying stuff that I've been saying back a couple of years now while we've been doing this that Simmons's role is as a Draymond Green type. Yes. He is not there to score. And this is the perfect team for him because he now has KD and, okay, Kyrie on a part-time basis. But there's other scorers around him as well, like Paddy Mills, Seth Curry comes across. So I think it's a great deal for Brooklyn. And I think that they should be favourites as they have remained, apparently, according to Caesar Sportsbet. Yeah, I think it's actually possible that both teams come out winners in this one. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's so funny that you were sort of talking about Kyrie Irving being there sometimes. I saw this great tweet from at Whistle Sports that said, Ben Simmons has been traded to the Nets. There's a new big 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cracking. But yeah, look, Philly, absolutely. They get more scoring punch to go with Embiid. They get a solid veteran to come off the bench. Harden will eventually play, which is something that Simmons was never going to do anyway. So Well, there are reports that he was going to come back if he wasn't traded, but who knows? Well, I'm I'm not sure I believe that, but it's it's, it's definitely something that will allow Philly to certainly explore different options on their offense. Yeah, okay, it doesn't help their defense at all, but it's it's something. And as you said, yeah, Brooklyn, absolutely, they get a pass-first superstar to go with Durant and Irving. They get great shooting with Seth Curry. They get good bench rebounding as well in Drummond. Brooklyn are currently 14th in the league in rebounding, so it will help them. And yeah, they're getting something for Harden before he potentially hit free agency. So that is... And they gave up a lot to get him. They did. Yeah. They did. So if you look at the fact that they gave up Karis LeVert, they gave up Jarrett Allen, who's now basically an all-star. Kicking ass in Cleveland, yeah. Yeah, they gave up four first-rounders and I think another three or four draft swaps swaps as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pick swaps hanging around. There's a lot of stuff they gave up. So... It's good to see that they got something back for that because it was potential. There could have been nothing. So, yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's a great fun swap for both teams. And look, Brooklyn are struggling. They've lost 11 straight now, I think it is. Oh, it's crazy, yeah. So they need someone to start turning this around. And it's just good to see Ben back out on the court, hopefully very soon. And there's a good chance that they'll kind of be a lower seed and upset maybe a Chicago or a Cleveland in that first round. They could, they could meet Philly. That first round is going to be amazing. It will be. Yeah, a lot of people are looking at that date on the calendar when Brooklyn goes to Philly. I'm not convinced Ben will play in that game, even if he is playing by then. Ooh, be gutsy. I, I've heard a lot of people say that if Ben starts playing right away, the mental health stuff is bullshit. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, oh, it's, it's hard. And look, as somebody who's not really had a whole heap to do with mental health issues in my life, I'm very, very fortunate. It's it's hard to know. We don't know what's going on in someone's head. It could be as simple as being in that environment in Philly just wasn't 
just wasn't working with his brain. And sometimes, yeah, that new atmosphere and that that new surrounding, new environment in in Brooklyn might be enough to just you know get him right. I, I don't know. It's hard. Well, if if basketball is the source of your happiness, and then you're unhappy in a situation, and then you change that situation. If basketball is your therapy, maybe getting on the court as soon as possible is the best thing you can do. I don't know if people have a right to really say that shit, no, to be honest. No, and look, we, I, said, we said he should have played for the Boomers. Yeah, well. look, I would have liked to have seen that happen. But yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I'm really torn about this because on one hand, I think it sends a bad message to stars. They just pout, be a douchebag. In yeah. Harden's case, like we know Ben Simmons stays in shape. In Harden's case, you know, just blow out and start looking like sexual yep. chocolate, the former wrestler. <laughs> I don't like the message of that. I, I really hope that this trend doesn't continue because it's it's not good. When you're holding fan bases at ransom. And if I mean, if this experiment fails for Philly, they're fucked for a long time. Yeah. And and all these draft picks going around all over the place. So that's so on one hand, I'm really glad Ben got into a better situation. I actually kind of feel like I can root for those nets a little bit more now. Obviously, Patty was there already. Oh, I but can't because it Yeah, around. yeah. I, I, I don't like Kyrie either. But uh, oh, by the way, on that great tweet at Van Lathan, Nets now have two players who won't take shots when the, their teams really need them to. <laughs> Just a different type of shot <laughs> in Kyrie's case. Love it. Yeah, so so I am torn in that sense. I, I really don't want to see a trend of. I mean, LeBron has like. He kind of left Cleveland in a bit of a shambles when he uh, left. Kawhi Leonard's the one that's... Kawhi started. Leonard's another one. He's but started. LeBron could do it to LA too if he wants. Yeah, no. So a lot of these stars are doing it. So that's what I worry about. But I am happy about the trade. I do think Brooklyn won the trade. I'm not a fan. Like, just... That's some very volatile personalities in Philly oh, yeah. with Embiid, Doc Rivers, and, and Harden. And there'll be that honeymoon period. But wait, when things go bad... Oh, it'll explode. Embiid and Harden. I mean, Embiid... Like, when Harden's not playing defense... How's Embiid going to feel about him then? So, yep. but apparently Harden wanted them to try and get him to the Rockets back in the day. So he's been a fan of Embiid from day okay. one. So I think in the early days it'll go well. But hey, when you're paying him $62 million as a 38-year-old on his next contract, eh, don't know. Mm. Now how good was it the next day watching the All-Star draft with LeBron and Kevin Durant? LeBron intentionally leaving James Harden for last because he knew that Durant wouldn't pick him. This was the beauty of following it live too. All sorts of stuff like Kevin Durant liking an article on Instagram saying that Harden wanted to leave. There was all sorts of shenanigans yeah. going on. Oh, so nice. yeah, no, but that draft, that was great. Yeah, oh, was great. yeah. Oh yeah, I need defense in the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, and especially because Durant was being an asshole through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you tell us more about your injury? No. Uh, all right, <laughs> dick. Yeah, So well, yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. So it's been really hard, hasn't it, Stewie, kind of working out which are the most important trades and in what order we should deal with. But I think the four-way deal between the Bucks, Kings, Clippers and Pistons is maybe the one given the Bucks are the defending champions and are right up there. A lot of people still think them favourites at this point. So they got Serge Ibaka, two future second rounders and Kaish. Sacramento got Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson. Clippers got Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale, and the Detroit Pistons got Marvin Bagley III. It was only a matter of time he got traded. Let's see if he can do something in Detroit. Well, he's going to get opportunities there at least. Yes. It's an interesting one. So for the Bucks, DiVincenzo was certainly, I guess, a little bit of the odd man out. Connaughton's been playing really good ball for them. Grayson Allen's, you know, when he's not being a douchebag, has been playing decent. Did you see Connaughton just broke his hand? I did not see that. Okay. I bet that they maybe might have yeah, rethought. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. How crazy wow. is that? Yeah, okay. yeah. Like literally, like a day after, a couple of days after. Gee, that's big. I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's huge. Because on face value, getting Serge Barker, okay, he's a little bit over the hill, but still a great defender. Still can hit that decent sort of fifteen to twenty foot. Yeah, any well, anywhere out to three really. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he can. Yeah, so he, he can be a stretch four. And I, I like this deal for them because the PJ Tucker loss was big. And I feel like, okay, they're not identical players, but I feel like Ibaka in the playoffs can do some of those things. Even if it's only a few minutes here and there, I feel like he can do some of those things for the Bucs that will be really important that Tucker did for them last season. And he's won a championship. He was on the Toronto Yeah, well, team. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he knows oh, well, he was on some very good OKC teams. He he, he's been in many playoffs in, yeah. and a number of finals. Yeah. And just quickly going back to DiVincenzo, he isn't expiring this year as well. He was probably going to be wanting to make a bit of money next year. Yeah, so yeah. I think the Bucks, And they didn't have him last playoffs, obviously, with yeah. the injury. 
So like, yeah, that Connaughton injury. Oh, oh wow. that's a shame. yeah, no kidding. Because they've obviously looked at it and went, oh well, he's going to get paid. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. Let someone else. Pay yeah, him. it made sense in in that vacuum. It does. So yeah, you don't really worry too much about Sacramento. I mean, they are as irrelevant as it gets. I don't think either of those three really help them that much. I mean, I, I haven't given up on Josh Jackson. I'm still have some hope, but yeah, in, in Sacramento. Well, like yeah, you're, you're talking about putting all three of these guys in a toilet, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, like it's not great. No. And obviously, look, I'm happy for Marvin Bagley. He finally gets a decent opportunity, potentially. Just... The weird thing is Jeremy Grant never got traded. Yeah. That was one of the big surprises because he was being mentioned a lot. He didn't want to be a secondary player. Yeah. Well, he wants to be a... Because yeah. the Lakers wanted him and he's like, I don't want to go sit behind LeBron and AD. So yeah, it makes sense. Look, the Clippers, okay, they get some shooting from Rodney Hood. They get a little bit of decent inside play from Samuel Jolay. This isn't the Clippers trade that has traction. We'll get to that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't think that really pushes any sort of needle in no, no. any direction. The Clippers it. did have a good trade, but this, this wasn't the great one. Yeah. We want to go there now. So they got Norman Powell and Robert Covington. The Blazers got Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second rounder via Detroit 2025. This is, for me, I think the Clippers win this one in an absolute landslide. Oh, this is huge. This was what the start of, I guess, the whole Portland Trail Blazers fire sale really was. Oh, this is, I mean, Norman Powell's a very good player. Like, you put them with, so this is more about next season for me. Hmm. So you put them with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, man, they have a very good little core now. Very good. Well, there's a lot of those guys are switchable as well. So if you look, Norman Powell's deceptively tall and deceptively long. long. Yeah. Robert Covington's another one. Okay, he hasn't had an amazing season. But again, all of these guys that are like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, to maybe 6'8", 6'9", you've got Nick Batum's another one you can add in there. Um, so They're good veteran players on teams with championship aspirations and when the Clippers are at full health with Kawhi and George they have legit championship aspirations yep. I think they could be a very good team next season oh, they should be yeah I mean Powell's a top shelf scorer he had 28 in his first game off the bench for the Clippers as well so yeah they, this gives them a lot of really really good stuff they've got an interesting little stretch coming up after the all-star game they've got other games against Houston and the Lakers that's going to be a big sort of push towards where they finish up I think they've got four games against Houston and LA coming up after the all-star break that, that could decide where they finish so it, it's interesting and yeah portland's yeah absolutely they are finally tanking probably bad news for you now Nate. yeah yeah although they beat <laughs> the basically a varsity team beat the lakers yeah true well i mean everyone's beating the lakers right now but yeah maybe new orleans can keep you out who knows and but yeah they get cents on the dollar for Powell with two guys who were barely playing in the in la Bledsoe's over the hill, really. He's a below-average shooter. Last time he averaged this few points a game was 10 seasons ago. And this is a season where Kawhi Leonard hasn't played and Paul George has missed 29 games. So the opportunities have been there. He's just done nothing with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't understand certainly what Portland were thinking. If they are talking, like, full rebuild... Oh, yeah, they are, definitely. got to keep Norman Powell, though. You would have thought so. Yeah, um, I, I was surprised at that. It, it's surprising. Especially because they seemed so keen on him last season hmm. when they made that trade for Gary Trent Jr. Or well, they, they gave away Gary Trent Jr. For, so yeah, that, that, was, that was curious well, to me. I think for me, the reason this makes less sense is the other trade involving Portland with the New Orleans Pelicans, where they send CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell to get back Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Lazada, and a 2022 first round pick and a couple of second rounders as well. Like, this is why I'm thinking if you're going to get rid of McCollum, why would you not keep Norman Powell? I, I think he's a young enough player that you would, even if you're tanking, you would keep him on your team. Yeah. And he's on a pretty friendly contract for what he is. So I, I just don't understand this. On the other hand, I love that move for the Pellies because they want to surround Zion when he actually fucking plays with guys that can play so that he won't bugger off. So a guy like CJ, and we know Larry Nance is a pretty decent young well, he's guy. He's out for the season, Yeah, but, but well, so Zion probably. So yeah. again, this is a bit like that other one with the Clippers. This is a, more about next season. Yeah. yeah. Same with CJ, let's face it. Yeah, well, true. I mean, yeah. CJ will help them push towards the plan, and I think they'll probably just get there. But it's a, I don't know, it's a weird one. I don't understand it. So the Wizards-Mavs one's interesting, isn't it, Shui? The, the Mavericks have given up on Chris Tapp's Porzingis. They're receiving Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, who I loved him as a Spurs fan, but he has not had a good... I'm actually glad now that we didn't keep him. He's having a shocker of a season. 
Do you remember a couple of years ago I said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was wrong. I said Jakob Pertl will be better than Dallas I, I was Bertans, and he, I, and he, I was he has been. Yeah. I was wrong. Well, Jakob Pertl was nearly traded to Charlotte too. That never happened for um, uh, PJ Washington. Yep, yep. But uh, anyway, this one did happen. What do you make of it? It's a real head scratcher. I don't understand what Dallas are doing with this one. Bertans has owed forty nine million over the next three years. He's had a horrible year. He's a screen door on defense. Dinwiddie's numbers are down. He can't get to the rim like he used to. He's only shooting 31% from deep. Okay, he's an expiring contract, so I understand they'll certainly pick up a decent bit of cap flexibility once the season's over. But why get rid of Porzingis when they could have gone after Dinwiddie in the offseason and got him on the cheap if they really wanted him? I just, I don't understand. I think this pushes the Mavericks back. It's going to put so much pressure on Luka Doncic. We've already seen it in the first couple of games. Doncic has gone for like 51 and then 40 something. In the oh yeah, game. I'd like with triple doubles as well, basically. Yeah, yeah He's yeah. going to basically have to do everything now. And it also takes away pretty much their only form of rim protection. Apparently, I don't think Luka and Kristaps were friendly with one another. And I think sometimes it's that simple. It doesn't matter how it looks on the court. If the off-court chemistry isn't good, then apparently... So I think it was Bobby Marks on the low post was talking about a story he heard from Jonathan Sharks where basically there was some company that said to Porzingis, oh, we want to do a thing where we'll give you... Well, we'll give our charity 500 bucks for every block that you make. You know, you know, often... And yeah. the NBL is doing it at the moment with dunks with, yeah. with prostate cancer. So anyway... Porzingis literally said to them, no, I won't participate because I don't think I'll be here by the end of the season. So he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, right. So so I actually, I think this is a sneaky good... I'm intrigued with this Washington team for next season. Well, this is it. I, yeah. I, I just think... If Once Beal's back. If you're going to get rid of Porzingis, you can get better return than Dimwitty and Bertans. That's, that's what I'm getting at. I don't see those two as being guys that are really going to push Dallas forward. And yeah, absolutely. It makes Washington certainly yeah, a sneaky contender. It's going to keep Bradley Beal in town, I would imagine, as long as, touch wood, Porzingis doesn't get hurt. Yeah, well. Yeah. That, and that's always the big if. Yeah, yeah. We, we know his upside. We know what he can do when he's healthy. He's a crazy good stretch 4-5. He, he can protect the rim. At an elite level, it's just whether he does. No, I, I'm intrigued by this team. I watched that really close Washington win over Brooklyn, Brooklyn last week in that long losing streak that you mentioned. Very close game and, and Brooklyn hung around. I really like the look of Advia. They, they have some decent little pieces, Washington. They do. Yeah, so so it, it'll be interesting next season. It will be. But it will be next season because Bill's injured. And a little side note for the Wizards, they got rid of Montrez Harrell, sent him off to Charlotte for Ish Smith, Vernon Carey Jr. in a 2023 second rounder. Ish just gives him, a, I guess, a decent backup point guard. He's played in Washington before as well, knows their system. Mont and yeah, Charlotte probably needed a big. So well, Montrez hasn't done much. No, I mean, he's, no. He'll score the ball at a, at a decent clip, but he's just not a good defender at all. So now somebody told me that you like the Spurs. Since 1992. <laughs> 30 <laughs> years. A couple of trades involving your boys. So trade with Boston Celtics, Boston gets Derek White, the Spurs get back Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a top four protected 2022 first round pick and swap rights on a 2028 first round pick. That shows you how the years are flying by. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? it really does. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about the Lakers 2027 first rounder, but that never got dealt. Just quickly before we get into unraveling that one, Raptors and Spurs also involved in a trade. The Raptors get Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, and a 2022 second round pick via Detroit. The Spurs get Goran Dragic, a future first round pick, top 14 protected in 2022, and so on and so forth. Eventually, we'll convert to two second rounders if it isn't used. What are your thoughts on these? Well, so there's been a lot of talk about Jock Landau not getting enough minutes. And on Twitter, I've been saying to multiple people, just wait till the trade deadline. I was expecting Pirtle to be dealt. As I mentioned before, he was actually involved in rumours. It never eventuated. It was looking like he might be going to Charlotte. I think that the Eubanks deal is good for Landau. It will mean he gets more minutes. It would have been great for him if Pirtle had got dealt too. Stewie's pulled up the uh, box score here. First game after the trade, he played nearly 20 minutes and had 10 points. So hopefully that continues for Landau. Look, Derek White was one of my favourite players, if not favourite player. Uh, really sad to see him go. But when you're rebuilding, he's the sort of guy that's perfect on contender. So I'm glad to see him in Boston. I think he'll be great for them. He's He plays the right way. He's a defender. 
He passes the ball. He does all the things. He's professional. So he's he's going to be a really good pickup for the Celtics. And well, he's always going to be the odd man out. DeJounte Murray's turned into a star. Lonnie Walker, I think, was a guy that you could certainly help build around as well. There were, uh, yeah, a number of players, I think, that the Spurs would want to kind of look out for the future. And unfortunately, yeah, Derek White was the odd man out. Not shooting a great clip from no, outside. No, no, not spe- 33 or so. 30, yeah, low, yeah, low 30s. Yeah. So I think, yeah, certainly is good getting a little bit back. You know, the, the draft picks, I think, will be handy. I can't see the Celtics ending up with a top four pick this season, considering the, the run they're on. So. Oh, no, 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 no. And it's all about the picks. So, so the Spurs are finally starting to hoard picks OKC style a little bit. And Josh Richardson's actually started playing a bit better in the last few weeks. So hopefully a decent little... Yeah, little... look, I'm not a massive fan of Richardson and he's actually got another year on his contract. But hey, hopefully he plays well. And it It's just, all about the draft picks. It depends what you get though. I mean, if you get Josh Richardson from Miami and you've got to look at it, he was good in Miami because of his coach. Eric Spolstra put him in positions where he could succeed. Popovich is not a bad coach. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. five a, away now from a, the all-time yeah, record. Yeah, he's had a pretty reasonable run over the last twenty something yeah, years. Yeah. So, your Spurs are allowed to win five more games, maybe six to get one ahead. <laughs> is it? I can't remember if five gets him more ties. <laughs> then tank. Get one ahead, and then don't want you to win again. And I want those draft picks. Thanks. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yep. Langford. Uh, I don't know if he'll move the dial much, yeah. but you know. And Dragic will get bought out. I don't imagine that he'll be doing much for the Spurs. I actually thought it'd be a really good piece for Milwaukee, but it's sounding like the Lakers and I think the Suns. I think the Western Conference teams are looking at him. Yeah, so that makes sense. He likes hot weather, apparently. So yeah. fair enough. While we're on the Celtics, a couple of other deals they did. So they got Daniel Tice back, sending Schroeder and Freedom, as well as Bruno Fernando to the Rockets. And then they got a second rounder for PJ Dozier, Bol Bol, and a future second round pick. Plus some cash. Cash. Yeah, so that second one was just basically trying to free up some roster spots, which makes a bit of sense. Well, they were willing and dealing, so yeah. Yeah, yep. getting Tice back. I mean, look, I'm not sure I understand why Boston are so excited about Daniel Tice. It kind of throws out the whole Grant Williams thing. I'm not really sure about it, but I understand nobody wants Ennis Freedom because he doesn't play any defense. Nobody wants Dennis Schroeder because he doesn't play any defense. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's an interesting one. The, you know, the thing I loved about those was there was actually a really great tweet. You know how teams do that whole welcome to the team player X? Well, Orlando did one that said, welcome to the O cash considerations and had a picture of a sack full of money with a microphone in front of it. And I also saw a jersey with a dollar sign instead of a number. Yeah, yeah, classic. Sensational. Yeah. As far as the contenders are concerned, well, I'm not convinced the Jazz are a contender anymore. But anyway, the Suns and Pacers. So the Phoenix Suns got former NBL player Tory Craig sending Jalen Smith and a future second rounder to Indiana. Jalen Smith had a really great debut for Indiana. I think it's 17 and 12 off the Yeah, page. those those numbers jumped off the page. He and... could be starting yeah. very, very soon. Yeah, no, I was I was interested to see that too. Yeah, I mean, Tory Craig, I think the Suns obviously know who he is. They know the sort of hustle that they're going to get from him, that defensive intensity. They they're in the... win-now mode. Yeah, they know the intangibles that Tory Craig will give them. And... Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it can be a big part of another playoff run for them. More likely to bring them to a championship quicker. Another one involving the Spurs that I kind of completely forgot about. Oh, yeah. So this is pre-deadline, this one. Three-way trade between the Jazz, Spurs and Blazers. So Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez go to Utah. The Spurs pick up Tomas Sadoransky in a 2022 second round pick. And the Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes and a 2027 second rounder. Lots of love for Joe Ingles on, on Twitter and stuff. So many fans love him in Utah. There's a lot of talk that once he's finished rehabbing, he'll be back in Utah to maybe have one last go, which is... Hopefully, yeah, that'll be good to see. Which is nice. I mean, again, I don't think this really pushes the needle anyway. No, not too much. Alexander Walker, decent shooter, but not really the sort of player that you're uh, certainly going to fall in love with and and hope can sort of get you over the line. But look, I mean, Utah still have a very good squad. They play great defense. They can put the ball in the basket as much as anyone else out there. So who knows? Who knows? And to me, I kind of wanted to focus on that human element. So obviously, as I mentioned, Ingles, much adored by Utah fans and Aussie fans alike, obviously. Spare a thought for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He found out he was traded to Portland during shoot-around, jumped on a plane, landed in Portland, and found out he'd been traded again. Oh, that's rough. And these guys, I mean, it's human beings, and it's easy for us to forget that stuff, mm. but he moved twice in one deadline. Yeah, it's pretty it's, tough. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And the other, and then kind of the lead-in for the next and final trade we'll talk about today. So Indiana got Tyrese Halliburton, 
Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. The Kings got Demantis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second rounder. And apparently, like Tyrese was saying, all the right things. Sacto is shit. Sacto is a flaming pile. Like we joke about them as being the crappy team. He actually wanted to play for them. He came out publicly on multiple occasions. He showed it with his actions too. Apparently he cried at news of the trade. I just, I find this one a bit weird. Like, okay, if you really wanted Sabonis, could they not, I guess Indiana didn't want De'Aaron Fox, but when a guy actually wants to play there and that's a rare occurrence, don't you try and hold on to him? I mean, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, during the draft, I was surprised he slid that far. So they thought he was a steal. And he's been great. First, he's been really great. Yeah. First game played, he had 23 points and six assists. And then I think the second game today that he had, unfortunately both losses, but second game today, 22 points and 16 assists and five rebounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got something to prove. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. DeMontis Sabonis is a stud. He had a really great game. I can't remember his exact stats, but he had a great opening game for Sacramento. <laughs> I saw someone tweet out a picture of the Kings logo and they'd photoshopped it to say fucking stupid. Yes, yeah. So that one's been doing the rounds for years now, actually. Oh, right. Okay, I, yeah. I remember seeing that on the Spurs message boards in the late 90s. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But they are. This is how... You, you forget I'm late to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, like I said, message boards, I saw it on. Yeah, I don't got message boards. Yeah, no, well, yeah, yeah. late 90s, a long time. But yeah, they are fucking stupid. They are. The, the thing that I find really interesting about this is, again, like, okay, hasn't had a great season... But adding Buddy Hield into that as well, that you're know, getting extra shooting to Indiana, you're getting a great point guard to go to Indiana. Sabonis will be great for Sacramento. Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like him too. He's got a lot of intangibles. I don't worry about his defense a little bit, and he's not really a center. He's a power forward. Mm. But no, he's a very good player. But just, I just think they should have tried to hold on to Tyrese. That's all. I think at the end of the day, this is a biggish trade between two teams that are going to be fairly irrelevant for quite a while. Yeah, well, possibly. There's a good chance of that. But Indiana were also involved in another trade. And this one happened a little while ago. I think it was probably just after we recorded last time. So the Cleveland Cavaliers get Karis LeVert in a 2022 second round pick. The Indiana Pacers get Ricky Rubio's busted up ACL. 2022 first round pick, 2022 second round pick, and a 2027 second round pick. Yeah, well, Cleveland, they've realized that their playoff window has opened maybe a season earlier than what they initially thought, and Levert gives them some really good scoring punch. Hopefully it doesn't screw with their chemistry because he can pound the ball a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think it's a good move for them. What I love about Levert is he can still be a very high quality scorer. He can create his own shot off the dribble. He's currently 10th in the league in drives per game, creates opportunities for others. I think he'll be very useful in that offense if they're trying to mix up sort of him playing off the ball, having his hands a little bit and Darius Garland maybe on the bench. It, it is, it's a huge opportunity for the Cavs. At the moment, they're sitting third in the Eastern Conference. They're only two games behind Miami in the first spot. I mean, they're only, what, three games out of seventh place, which would have them into the playing games. So they do need to sort of really consolidate what they're doing. And right keep now winning. Yeah, and, yeah. And keep winning. Yep. They could easily be this season's Atlanta Hawks. No one sees them creeping up and then all of a sudden they're here now and they're ready to make some noise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Indy all in on a rebuild. Obviously, Rubio out for the rest of the season. They're shedding a guy in Levert who had one more season on his current contract before he'd probably be asking for the big bucks. And Yeah, I, I think Cleveland definitely wins this one. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a pretty obvious one in my opinion. But um, Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's probably it's probably a future for Indiana. They're thinking about picks and yeah. It's, it's is Rubio the, expiring? He might be expiring. Well, regardless of that, he'll be 31, 30. Well, actually, be thirty two coming off a torn ACL. Well, true. So yeah, I don't really see a huge upside in this one for Indiana. It's just about stockpiling all of these. That so. first round pick, yeah, it could be handy. Yeah. yeah, will it be though? I mean, again, it's another one of these first round picks. It's lottery protected. So what are Cleveland going to give you anyway? Probably the nineteenth, twentieth pick. Yeah. Eh, I don't think they'll get much out of that. So, Stewie, before you kind of finish with a bit of nostalgia, I've got a crazy stat. So, Troy Brown Jr. for the Chicago Bulls the other night had a stat line that's never, ever been accomplished in NBA history. Zero points, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, zero fouls, but double-digit rebounds with 11. What? And a plus-minus of zero. Far out. So, yeah, never been done before. And so, Nathan, I wanted to, as you mentioned, give you a bit of nostalgia, take you a little bit of a trip down memory lane with one of the greatest of all time, Larry Bird. Oh, I saw this one too. This is magnificent. This is a tweet from a guy named Luke Eppelin, and it's a story about Larry from the 1985 Conference Finals. 
So after injuring a finger in a bar fight during these finals against the Sixers, Bird was practicing with the fingers heavily taped. When Shaughnessy, and this is Boston Globe reporter Dan Shaughnessy, asked doubtfully if he was going to play like that in the game, Bird informed the reporter that he could tape his entire hand up and still outshoot him. He then had the trainer tape his shooting hand into a fist and challenge Shaughnessy to a shooting competition, 100 free throws at $5 a shot. The two took turns shooting in rounds of 10, Bird resting the ball on the palm of his bound right fist and guiding it with his left hand made 86 shots and Shaughnessy owed him $160. After the reporter paid up the next day before the Sixers game, Bird, like a cruel old brother, placed the $820 bills <laughs> in his sock and played the whole game with the money in his shoe. It's not Hammy Taylor, but it's... Uh, yeah. It's pretty fucking close. What an <laughs> absolute beast that guy was. Cold-blooded. So, NBL, Stewie, before we get into the action, and boy, was there some action, some great finishes, some huge dunks. We've got to talk about the Matty Hodgson incident. We won't go into too much detail. It's now done and dusted, basically. In the end, two games with that third game suspended. You called it. Yeah, which I think was right. I think Wiser Heads prevailed in the end. It did take too long. It wasn't completely a perfect process, but I think we got there in the end. Oh, this so, is a train wreck, but yeah. absolutely the right decision in my opinion. And look, full credit to you, Nate. You've got it spot on. The funniest thing, the game he returns in is against Sydney. Yeah, that's going to be spicy. So you can see DJ baiting him, I'm sure. And hey, if he takes the bait, then he deserves that third game. Absolutely. Yeah. So should we go through the action on the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Some cracking games. So Sydney that I maybe uh, preemptively said we're in a bit of a shambles. I'm actually, I think one five of six now. <laughs> they won 92 to 87 over the Phoenix, who have had some injury problems, but still have enough decent players out there. Yeah, I mean, they were missing a few players still in protocols as well. It's still a very solid win for the Kings. No matter how you look at it, this Southeast Melbourne Phoenix team is still stacked even with some of those players missing. And look, for the Phoenix, it was a good result. It was an away game for them. And look, Sydney have played a lot of games at home. They've played 10 of their 15 yeah, games. Yeah, I know, yeah. So they have got a bit of a rude yeah, awakening yeah, yeah. coming do. up fairly they do soon. potentially, yeah. And Perth, the flip side of that with their last nine at home. Yes. Yeah. What I really loved about this game, though, we were treated to a show, this whole Mitch Creek versus Xavier Cooks, highlighted by that extreme facial that Cooks put down on Dane Pino in that game. Cooks has been so good. Do you think there is a better rivalry in the league right now than Cooks and Creek? Uh, Matty Hodgson's right hand and Dion Vasilievich's face. Sorry, low-hanging fruit. No, but like, I, if, you, if you go back, it was always Bryce Cotton and Casper Weir. That yeah, I, I struggle to think of, like, nothing else comes to mind. And, and we've actually talked about this earlier in the week and nothing has really sprung up to me. So, yeah. I think it's pretty good. I think the way, as you say, I mean, Cooks has played exceptionally this season. He is so herky-jerky, so difficult to stop. If you put a bigger guy on him, he goes around him. If you put a smaller guy on him, he'll take a couple of dribbles in and just rise up for a floater. Look, Creek has had a great season. He's in a tiny bit of a shooting slump at the moment the last couple of games, but consistently 20 and 7, so very much in the MVP candidacy. And, yeah, it, it, this was a great little battle. There were a couple of little moments. There's one point I think Cooks threw the ball as he was sort of falling out of bounds, threw it off Mitch Creek's head, <laughs> and he didn't, like... Cooks has gone straight in like, hey, man, didn't mean to do it. Sorry, sorry. And yeah, Creek's just brushed him off. Typical uh, Mitch Creek sort of attitude, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was a little bit worried in the first half of this one. Sydney, they're not very good at being proactive. They, in fact, sometimes they're not even good at being reactive. The Phoenix threw a zone on them and they looked like they had no idea how to attack it. They got lucky. They hit a few threes in the end and they actually shot quite well from downtown, but it's kind of worrying. If you catch Sydney on a night where they're not shooting the three well, prime example was that game where they got blown out by Melbourne United. If you throw a zone onto them and they can't shoot, then it's a problem. Well, teams will keep doing it if they're going to struggle against it, definitely. I only saw most of the second half of this one. I missed the first half, but mm. it's, it's, it seems to be a sound tactic to take them off their game. You just see how it goes in the first half. I mean, if they don't shoot the ball well, you just keep going to it. I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, they've got shooters, okay? They've got Dan Vasiljevic who can shoot the ball well. Jarrell Martin's a great shooter. When he's in form, Jalen Adams can certainly shoot him well. And Ian Clark, who they've just picked up this... Yeah, yeah, well, that's a huge signing. Huge We've got signing. to talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. It helps when your owner played with the bloke. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Because there's it? been a lot of talk about him having been out of the game for nearly 12 months. I'm not as worried about that. I mean, no. he was in the NBA. He had a pretty good NBA. He certainly pr produced more in the NBA than some other guys that come across from the NBA where they're not even getting on the court or yeah. they've maybe only played in summer league or something. And he's a winner. 
Absolutely. He's absolutely... I think it's a great signing for them. Yeah, I think so. I'd be keen to see, because he didn't play in either of the games over the weekend, so we'll sort of see him next week. Yeah. For the Phoenix, unfortunately, they had probably a couple more passengers than Sydney did. Isaiah Liafa was an O of 10 in 24 minutes. Joe Chi, two shot attempts in 21 minutes. And I kind of worry with Chi that maybe it's about time to move him to the bench. Um... I mean, Brandon Ashley. Yeah, yeah, they could. They could chuck Ashley into the starting five. I think the, the worry with Ashley is that he's very foul prone. Mm. And so maybe it's better to bring off the bench for that regard. But yeah. I mean, yeah, if they need to make that adjustment, it's there for them. As great as Chi was at the start of the season, I think he's really fallen off to the point where teams have kind of figured out how to get around any sort of production that he's going to produce. I mean, they're just throwing big bodies at him and unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately yeah. he doesn't really use his size as well as he should. Well, so. he's quite slender, so... yeah. You can bump him around a bit. Yeah. On the flip side, Ryan Brokoff, superb. Yeah, well, he seems to have been hitting form now after that Dennis Rodman game. Yeah. I mean, look, he didn't have an amazing clip from the field, 6 of 15, but he got to the line. I think he was 11 of 12 in that game. So if you're not shooting well, getting to the line is, the especially for a shooter like Brokoff, that's the best way you know, see that. To get yourself going. Yeah, see that. Oh, and they're paying him enough money, so they need him to produce. They definitely, do. definitely. Do. But yeah, as I said, Sydney had certainly a lot less passengers. Dan Vasilovic was good. Martin and Adams were great. Even Sean Bruce, Vodanovic, and Angus Glover off the bench. Like, well, you know, I'm a big rap for Glover. How's his confidence? Like, oh, it, he's fearless. Three point game. Yep, he'll 30, take a three. He'll dunk yeah, on you. He'll yep. thirty seconds to go, and he jacks up a corner three all net. Like, yep. Yeah, if he plays like that, Sydney are going to be very, very tough. That sort of game was good for Sydney, though. They needed a scalp. I mean, it wasn't exactly a full-strength Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but still a good result for them. And all of a sudden, they're now one of the form teams of the competition. As I say, I rushed to say they were in shambles. but Yeah, well, they are. I mean, I'm pretty it, sure it's five of six now for them. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the round, they're sitting at eight and seven, seven and six Illawarra ahead of them. And then it's up to sort of the Southeast Melbourne Perth and Melbourne United, who are all on four losses. So it, I think this was a good weekend for Sydney. And we'll get to the other game in just a minute. Next, we had Brisbane eking out a victory over Adelaide. Bit of a shit show, this one. 77 to 73. A bit. Yeah, I didn't watch it all. Honestly, when I saw this was the game on Friday night, my immediate reaction was just bleh. And I was right. It was, like, apart from Lamar Patterson, he was spectacular. This was a horrible game of basketball. Two sides that don't really look like they're going to threaten for the top four. And at one stage in the first half, it looked like they were having a turnover contest. It was just seriously, it was just back and forth. Yeah. It's like, oh, dribble into the keyway, bounce it off my foot out of bounds. <laughs> oh, let's do an entry pass. Oh, let's throw it to the wrong team. It was just, it was horrible. And obviously you can look at the fact that Dusty Hannes was out for Adelaide. Nathan Sobey was still missing for Brisbane. So you are missing two very important guards to that, but. It was almost surprising that it was only 35 turnovers combined for the game. Wow, that's, yeah. It it felt like more. Yeah. It felt like it would have been around the mid to high 40s. But Adelaide absolutely choked this one away. They're up 67-57 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they let Brisbane outscore them 20-6 to the rest of the way. It's not good enough. The Sixers do not have enough guys who can create their own shot. They just, they all need somebody else to set them up. If you look at Daniel Johnson, he needs guys setting him up. Cam Bear. Oh, well, most the of the bigs, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but even the guards, like, you know, Sunday Dash, he... Well, he's a defensive he, player. He creates his own shot, but he can't shoot. Yeah, yeah. He's not, is, he's not there for shooting, yeah. really. Yeah. So I think Dusty Hannes is probably the only one who can actually do that a little bit, and, and he hasn't been amazing. So Mitch McCarron, I mean, I don't know what's happened to him this season. He looked interested in this one for about a total of two minutes. honestly he had six turnovers he had this disgraceful hospital pass that led to a dunk to patterson probably in about a minute and a half to go i'm stuck wonder if he's one of these guys who is great in a specific system like melbourne united and if you don't surround him with guys like chris golding and jock landale and scotty hobson and yudai barber he's not that effective well and maybe it's not even just the system maybe it's he needs to be third banana and no higher than that well quite possible yeah yeah because there were a number of possessions where He's literally just dribbling the ball down. He would pass it into Daniel Johnson or Bairstow in the post and then just stand there. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, this is not the same guy that we saw playing for Melbourne United last season. He doesn't look threatening. He doesn't look like he even wants to be there half the time. It's, it's really disappointing. And you think about it from the whole standpoint of Dusty Hannes and how much heat he's been copying all season. If he put up eight points, four rebounds and four assists in 35 minutes, what's going to happen? Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, there's always more scrutiny on the imports. And look, I know you don't want me to say this, but McCarran is a 
bit of an IT. He's a bit of a Damian Martin kind of player. He yeah. can do a lot of things that don't always affect the box score. Well, the eye test over this game, was but it, do, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that he can't have a bad game. Yeah. Oh, but, but he hasn't had great games most of the season. No, well, I mean, Adelaide have been disappointing, haven't they? they have. And as you say, they've choked it away. I mean, that was a big game for both teams. Brisbane really needed that one. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, Adelaide are sitting second last at four and seven. I mean, they're not... They're, they're in a lot of trouble. They're very much losing all sorts of touch with the top four. Yeah. And I mean, Todd Withers was even worse. I think he only had five points and a couple of rebounds or something in his time well there's been people calling for his head nearly since day one hasn't there so mm. i guess that's probably not a major surprise unfortunately yeah, but just not- i think the, the, the problem is now and obviously the king's got clark we're almost at the point now where if you've got to make that change you got to make it real soon you do because if you want to make that playoff push we're nearly at the halfway point you've got to integrate the guy there's chemistry i mean a lot of teams still haven't got their chemistry and rotations down, and that's with their existing roster. So bring in a new guy, and it gets tricky. New Zealand and Sydney are the only two that have actually made any sort of changes. So that's what I can't understand. You've got all of these teams that have kind of stood firm with guys that maybe haven't been doing enough. Um, sorry, Southeast Melbourne's another one as well. They got rid of one of their guys to get Brown Ashley in. But, yeah, I just... I'm with you. They, they well, and the Sydney be... one was an injury one as well, of course. Yeah, well, RJ Hunter getting Yeah, injured. yeah. So those, those, and obviously New Zealand had their injury issues as well. So, but, but Jeremiah Martin bailing, I guess, to go. Back well, for, mutually yeah. deciding apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. One really concerning thing about this one late in the game, Jason Kadee turned blindly into the shoulder of Sunday Detch, and he looked really wobbly. Took a few steps forward, could barely get his legs under him. Sat back down on the floor, and amazingly the doctors didn't take him out of the game for a concussion check. It is surprising, isn't it? It's a real misstep by the officials and by the team doc. Given how how big we are on them nowadays. I couldn't understand the fact, even if he comes off for a minute and they say, all right, you're okay, but for him to stay in the game, it's not right. Absolutely not right. Next, we had Illawarra 87 defeating Cairns 81. It was a close-ish game. Cairns have done pretty well. And I'll tell you what, Scott Machado's back. Mm. The benefit of playing so few games, they only missed him for five. Yeah. It's incredible. I thought they were going to miss him for way more than that. So they were very lucky. They were. They were. And look, Illawarra were a bit lucky in this game. Illawarra well. needed this. This was a real relief for the Hawks getting yeah. this win. I mean, Huge. Cairns, kind of like what we've been saying about Tassie for so long, not as talented, but they put in so much more effort. And I tell you what, if Illawarra put up that sort of performance against any of the top sides, it would have been another loss. Yeah, right. Stephen Zimmerman was back to his old self, two of six from the field, missed a ton of bunnies, three of nine from the free throw line. Adam Ford couldn't even play him down the stretch. He was that bad. Majok Deng, he had 14 points, but he was ice cold from the field. Bull Kowal started well, but then he faded. So there were a lot of these big key players in the starting five that really didn't do that much. As you mentioned, Machado back in action was amazing. I thought he controlled the flow really, really well. Probably the unfortunate thing, he just didn't seem to have his legs. They had to play him a few more minutes. I think he was only supposed to play nine and he played 13, 14. But yeah, there was a really, really key moment late in that game where he had a wide open three to cut it to one and just didn't have the legs to Mm. make that shot. So Mm. it was, yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Duop Reith for Illawarra looked a little bit better. Justinian Jessup was solid. Tyler Harvey just continues to frustrate me. He started the game amazingly, dropping floaters from everywhere, and then he went back to those bullshit step-back threes and went 0-4. Not having a great season. He's not. No. He's not. And still a combined 2 minutes 26 from AJ Ogilvie, Emmett Nair, and Isaac White even with Cleveland, Froling and Harvey on four fouls early in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well... <laughs> what, what's These guys are going to have to literally fall over and die. Well, it's just amazing because, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, Gorge said, I need to increase my rotation. I need to give some of these bench guys more minutes. But he, he hasn't seemed to really have followed that up. He's not. That was a good three or four weeks ago now. Literally nothing's so, changed. Yeah, no, it really hasn't. You're getting minutes for Rathan Mays. You're getting a few minutes for Harry Froling. And you're getting a few minutes for Tim Conrad and that's it. Yeah. And honestly, I'm just waiting for an injury to happen and Illawarra stuffed. I mean, for Cairns, another quick thing I noticed, they've got to be able to play defense without fouling. There were so many times in this game where they were trailing a player, bumped him with a hip, giving up free throws. Yeah. Well, in a close game, in a six point game. It's it's huge. Yep. It's huge. And when Zimmerman's not hitting his free throws, oh. all these little things go under the microscope when you lose a close one, don't they? They, so do. they do. They didn't help themselves. 
tell you one random observation I made from this game. I have lost count of how many times I've seen guys this season pass the ball from the front court to someone coming across halfway. Oh, it happens all the time. And they're grabbing it before they're landing and it never gets called. All the time. There were a couple of really egregious ones. In there this was one. a late one in that Brisbane-Sydney one yesterday too. Yes, yes there yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like the travels. They just don't, it, unless it's happening around the keyway, they just don't call it. No. So yeah, a bit of a fortunate get out of jail sort of one for Illawarra. They can count themselves lucky they won that one. And look, good effort from Cairns. Good to see Machado back on the court. And it's often the way the teams kind of in the top four or kind of vying for that top four spot are beating up on those bottom four teams. Yeah. yeah. Should also mention, good to see Mirko Jerich back as well. Hopefully he'll get a little bit more of his legs under him as well. Well, Cairns are getting closer to full strength now. So that's important. Absolutely. Yeah, And they've played fewer games. Who knows? Yep. Who knows? I don't think it will happen for them. I picked them finished last, but we'll see. Hmm. Next was an absolutely bizarre game between Melbourne United and the Perth Wildcats. Probably you, top of the table clash. You know, yes, yes. United getting up 93 to 87. Yeah, nothing regulation involving Perth right now. This was a really weird one, but at least they finally won a first quarter. Yes, yeah. Well, first quarters have been a real problem for the Wildcats all season, and they've been chasing their tails in so many games. It's amazing. That Phoenix game, I still don't know how the hell they won that one. But I was actually going to look that up. But Jackson McDonald did it for us. So thank you, Jackson. And great follow. Does some great work with the Inner Sanctum and Three in the Key podcast. So he crunched the numbers, which meant I didn't have to. Average first quarter score for the Wildcats, 17.2. Average first quarter score for opponents, 22.5. Average rest of the game score for Perth, 72. Average rest of the game score for their opponents, 58.3. This was almost the exact flip of that. The Wildcats started magnificently. And then it absolutely turned to shit. And then I sent you a message with the margin at 20 early in the fourth. And I said, watch us get this down to six points and then run out of petrol tickets. And sure enough, that's exactly what the margin was. And I responded by saying, fuck this, I'm going to the pub. Yeah, so you didn't even watch <laughs> About it. enough. Yeah, this absolutely, you're right. This was pretty much like watching the Perth Southeast Melbourne game, except... In reverse, in yeah. In reverse. Yep. They... Yeah, look, leagues above in the first quarter, gave up a 37 to 19 second quarter, which is obviously a bit worrying. The big thing that frustrated me about this one as a Wildcats fan is that everyone knows there are like three rules against Melbourne United. And the first two of them are you do not give Chris Goulding any space. Now, Goulding wasn't amazing. Five of 16 from the field, three of 13 from deep. He hit some key threes. But he had 16 points in the second quarter and he got United back into that game. Yeah, he he just has this knack for hitting them at the right time. Yeah, he hit two threes in the space of 43 seconds and it was 25 to eight in the last six minutes, 20 of that second quarter. Melbourne had runs of 15 nothing, and then 21 to three in the third before Perth finally made it a little bit interesting late. Now, I kind of wanted to ask you a question about Joe Luala Chul. So he was obviously spectacular again, 22 points, 13 boards, four blocks, really good shooting clip. I read somewhere he's still paying up to $151 for MVP right now. Oh, those will shorten pretty quick. But the thing is, the NBA might come calling. There's been more and more rumours about the NBA coming calling. So he might not even finish the season in Australia. But if he does, like that's got to be a pretty good investment of five bucks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There, there's not many guys that I would say, in fact, I, I don't really know if anyone's playing better than him. Right no, now. no, he, he would be top three MVP candidate at the moment, definitely. And it's the way that he's doing it, though. As soon as he gets that ball in the keyway, his ability to sidestep guys, to avoid the contact and be able go to... Go up strong. Yeah, go up strong. He's yeah. quick on the second jump, so he's really, really good at getting offensive rebounds. He's a scary dude right now. Yeah, no, he's playing exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. A big part of their success. Oh, massive part. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, yet another game that shows the import situation is wrong in Perth. Another game where they're getting out-rebounded by better teams. You no, know, the rebounding is a massive problem. It has been all season, will continue to be. They have to do something about it. Mm. And I, I really, I can't see how, I think, I don't know if Travis is getting enough minutes. Good things seem to happen when Travis is on the court. Even when he's not playing well, even when he's missing shots, he gets rebounds, he has energy, he plays defense. I just wonder if Frazier is stealing some of Travis's minutes. And maybe that's not a good idea. Blanchfield as well. Blanchfield played fuck all. How many minutes? Did, uh, you've got Blanch, the box. Blanchfield play, played 25 minutes. Oh, okay, that's more than I remember. Okay. Yeah, it probably doesn't look as great in this one. Travis had a, a plus minus of negative five in his 12 minutes, but I agree. He did certainly, and, and probably half of those minutes were played right at the end of one of those runs yep. where he's coming in basically hiding to nothing. I, I agree entirely. 
plus 10 for Melbourne United in the rebounding in this one. If JLA is in the game, Majuk Majuk has to be at the exact same time. Pretty much. I agree with that. Or, yeah. or Matty Hodgson when he's back. I mean, yeah. yes, okay. Or Hayes Brown. Or Hayes Brown, know? yeah. Because he can give you good minutes. Yep. He's a big body. He certainly is hard to get around. And he's fearless. He, he's not intimidated by playing in the bigger league. So, mm. yeah. And like obviously, yeah, we appreciate it was Jesse Wagstaff, 400 game. Love the guy. Massive shout out to Jesse. Phenomenal effort. The Wildcats did you dirty on this one. Yeah, he is never going to be the right matchup for JLA. He, he will get anything he wants against Wagstaff. He probably played too many minutes. Probably. I, I would like to see those some of those minutes go to Travers and Lanchfield. Well, it's about, I mean, he wasn't giving it on the offensive end either. He was one of nine from the field, which is... Just yeah, not, he, he didn't have a spectacular game. Not really the sort of output you want from him. And often guys had to help out. And Caleb Agata ends up with five offensive rebounds as a result because other guys are trying to help him out. So yeah, not a obviously not a great night for him, but another example of where these bigs like Joey Luala Chul are, you know, a little bit scary if you don't have the right sort of guys on the court. Shay Illy was exceptional in this one, took Bryce Cotton when he was absolutely cooking. And the last five and a half minutes of the second quarter. Cotton went 0 for 2 from the field for no points. Shaley hits a couple of threes, got Chris Goulding a second chance bucket, just pestered Bryce out oh, of everything. Illy was key. He was a part of what turned the game around for United, without question. Mm-hmm. And the commentators banged on it about it too. And, and yeah. rightly so. Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. He, he was fantastic. This a was, lot of energy. This is the Shaley we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we wanted to see. Yeah, so. yeah. No, he brings some really good energy off the bench, some good defense. He can hit that three, as you mentioned, definitely. Mm. My concern with the Wildcats, or another concern on top of the rebounding, Vic Law can be a bit of a ball stopper. Yeah. Like and he's lazy on defense. I'll put it out there. Well, I mean, forget the defense. On offense, there are literally offensive sets where he's the only guy that touches the ball and he said it was for like a long three or something. Yeah. And part of the reason why Melbourne won is because they played better as a team. Yep. They got the ball through more sets of hands. They were patient. They waited for the open man. The Wildcats, it, sometimes it's just like LeBron and Dwayne Wade in the early Miami Heat days where mm. it's Cotton and Law taking turns. Yep. It doesn't work. You could just share the ball, guys. You'll find an open man. But look, full credit to Melbourne United. Oh, of course. They, they, yes. As I say, they got great games out of a lot of those guys. Matthew Delavadova was spectacular in the fourth quarter. Yeah, pretty quiet prior to that. But in winning time, he was huge. Yeah, 11 yeah. of his, his 18. Caleb Agata, I mentioned, for 13 rebounds is just superb for a guy his size. Oh, yeah. Well, he's basically doing his impression of Rowdy. Yeah. yeah. So, look, it was a, a good all-round performance from United and certainly why they're right up there for yeah, the top of the league right now. Oh, definitely. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix had a 12-point win over Tassie, 83-71. Well, we both didn't really see this one. No, I intended to, but I ran out of time. Yeah, yeah. looked decent for three and a half quarters. The Phoenix too balanced, too classy. The loss of Will Magnate injury for the next three to four weeks probably all but does that glimmer of Tassie yeah, making think, the playoffs. I think, I think yeah. so. We always knew that their margin for error was smaller than a lot of teams because their talent wasn't as good. And unfortunately, you come back down to earth pretty quick when one of your pretty important players goes down with injury for a long period of time. So that's huge. And it's, it's disappointing. It's a shame. Mm. It really is. Because they really could have kept some pressure on some of those teams like Brisbane and Sydney. Keep things interesting. Speaking of Brisbane and Sydney. What a game. My God. <laughs> last thing I watched before I went to bed last night for the Super Bowl to try and get some sleep didn't work too well for me. But my God. Brisbane tried their best to throw this away on multiple occasions. And in the end, they did throw it away. Sydney 71, Brisbane 69. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Just wow. This might have been one of the craziest finishes to one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. It wasn't well officiated, yeah. The Bullets, they had this one, as you said, up two with the ball with 20 seconds left. Which they nearly threw away as well. And I did want to mention what I thought were three incredibly disappointing missed calls. So the first one... After the ball goes back to Brisbane, there's about 20 seconds left. Really horrible cross-court pass. Oh, it was a crazy situation. So it started with Cooks being, I think, probably fouled by Drimmick. I think he was probably wrapped across the arm. They were lucky there. Franks throws this horrible cross-court pass to To, Kadee. To Jason Kadee of all people, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, fair enough. Find your point guard. But but shortest guy on the year. Oh, it was a bad pass. A high pass. It was was horrible. Horrible. And then Glover's kind of given him a bit of a hug. Yeah, a little bit of a tackle around the, yeah. the waist, which I, I personally, I think in this league, the way they're calling them, 
is unsportsmanlike. Yeah, and that's the key phrase, the way they're calling him. So I fucking hate that shit. I would not have called it a in a vacuum. I would not have called that an unsportsmanlike. But the way they call the, it, the precedence, maybe. Yeah. Look, I'm okay. It's definitely a foul. Oh yeah, no but I'm, I'm I'm okay with it not being an unsportsmanlike. I think. I'm okay with it not being unsportsmanlike, but just the precedence. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like when you think about how they call it, yeah. yeah. Then from the ensuing inbounds pass, Wani Swakula Bullock was holding Anthony Drimmick, which I think definitely got away with that, that. could have been unsportsmanlike because the ball's not inbounds. Yeah, again, it's that's not where I want to see our game go, but I can see why you're making that case. I wouldn't have called it unsportsmanlike. In a, in a it's normal, definitely a foul. In a normal play, no, but because the ball's not inbounded, that's that's the technicality for me. And but yeah, he goes to the line, probably makes two. Yeah. And the game's different. They're up four then. Or at least he, he makes one out of two. Yes. Yeah. But instead, ball gets turned over. Then Angus Glover misses a three. God bless that guy and his confidence. Well, and, he hit a big one earlier than that, as you mentioned. Yeah. And yep. so Jalen Adams picks up the offensive rebound, goes up, and in my opinion, puts the ball out of bounds. Ball stays with Sydney. Yeah, really weird review. So initially they did call it Sydney's ball, which helps. Yeah. Because if they find that there's nothing conclusive, if it's too inconclusive, like umpire's cool. Yeah. yeah, then fair enough, it stays. But it, it, yeah, it looked like it was out of Sydney, and I'm amazed. I, I would have thought there was enough there to reverse that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and then of course, anyone who's seen it will know that Jalen Adams proceeded to baptize the entire city of Brisbane on the next play, gets fouled. And <laughs> baptized. Oh, for those that haven't seen, this is for me, it's dunk of the season. It is absolutely given situation. given the situation. Yeah, and it was no so even, good. No one even knew that he could do that. Oh man, <laughs> so, it was so good. So then he goes and misses the free throw. And this is the thing at the time, you're looking at it going, okay, Brisbane have got no timeouts. They've got a couple of guys up the other end, presumably thinking he's going to make the free throw. We need guys up there to take an inbounds pass and try and take a game winner. The problem is if he misses the free throw you're kind of leaving yourself a little, well, not so much short, but three on three, it's dangerous. Well, Brisbane didn't handle the end of game situation well for a number of reasons because they blew, well, I don't want to say blue, but they used two timeouts on defense, which meant that they didn't have a timeout to advance the ball at the end, yeah. should it get that way. So yeah, they erred there too, I think. And then exactly what I was thinking would happen happens. They miss the free throw, ball bobbles around a little bit, comes back to Adams, who finds Jarrell Martin wide open under the basket for, for a layup. For a layup. Oh, it just defies belief. It is so rare for the shooter to get an offensive board on a free throw. It wasn't really the shooter. You're right, it bubbled around. It bubbled around but it's front, just, yeah. it's so rare to get an offensive rebound off, off free throws when anyway. It's, when it's three on three. Oh, though, man, I don't know what they were doing. That's, that one will really sting for Brisbane fans. Really now, sting. Now, unfortunately, as much as I hate harping on it, I've got to talk about the umpiring here. This was horrible. On top of the three calls I mentioned before, the foul count was 24 to 11. 24 to 11? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It was 20 to 6 going into the fourth quarter. You cannot tell me that a player like Xavier Cooks, who is uh, not... He throws his way around. Not he's, bargy, but he, no, he but gets, he's athletic and he, he you know, he he's going to bump into guys. Yeah. yeah, he mixes it up. You can't tell me he can play 31 minutes without committing a single foul. Well, the funniest thing about this is that Buford was bitching about the refs more oh. than anyone. And did you hear him call, like the, the mic picked up him yeah. calling someone a pussy? Called one of the refs a pussy yeah. after he gave him a tech. Yeah. And like, so he called him a little man. You're a little man, Elliot, or something yeah, like that. Like, that might get some attention. That's your justification for the tech if the original tech maybe wasn't you were, And I do, I do think the original tech was probably bullshit. But probably was. But just- Here's a question. Given it was picked up so clearly in the mics and the commentators talked about it, is this something the league should have put? Should they have said, we know that something was, or, or the Kings, or should, should anyone have done anything about this? Or It's tough. I mean, I think if the umpires don't hear it or see it, they can't really call it. Uh, it's oh no, but I don't mean that. I mean like this is a potentially a word that would offend. Oh yeah, it should be fine. You know, absolutely. So, should. but but should the league have come out and been proactive, or should the Kings? Have, oh, I see. So I should see. they have released a statement after the game? Like, I must admit, I didn't see the press conferences because oh, I didn't watch it live. I watched it later on. The, but the, there should something should come out of that. I yeah, mean, at the end of the it's day, an interesting one. Yeah, it's not the sort of way that we want to be addressing anyone, let alone the referees of the game. The only time I want to hear coaches talking about pussies is that famous scott fisher do you remember that one <laughs> yeah like if we start a pussy footing around we'll be pussies pussy cats yeah that we're was... wild cats <laughs> <laughs> you backtracked well oh, that it's one. so good it's it? like the best press conference of all time but there's a couple of other ones as well like there was a moment in the second quarter bawali bales tried to go past tanner krebs knocked him over good to see him back block gets called and bales gets caught up in krebs's legs and he throws the ball at krebs on the ground no call 
That's an automatic 10. You should be. Every day of the week. It should be. So that's disappointing. I'm getting sick of seeing guys consistently fouling players after a whistle's been blown. It's, it's just chippy shit. Just leave it out of the game. If you're stopping a guy going up to score something that would actually count, fair enough. But just there's no place for it. So, yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of stuff there that just wasn't great. And, uh, yeah, definitely Sydney got the better end of the whistle. Yeah, they did. But that being said, Brisbane did choke at the end. Oh, massive. So I don't know if you say Brisbane still could have won in spite of that. Yeah, it's not the umpires. So I don't know if you blame the umpires for the loss. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. If I'm a Brisbane fan, I'm pissed off with my team's execution down the stretch. I'm pissed off with James Duncan. I'm pissed off with all the players. Yeah. Lamar Patterson, like you said, he had a really great game earlier in the week which is true. Hmm. He's so inconsistent. He just disappears for stretches. They can't afford that. They cannot afford that Brisbane. Yeah. He almost does a bit of a James Harden, actually. Hmm. Yeah, he does. Um, just quickly, camera angles as well. Fuck. Some idiot decided that showing the game from a camera deep in the corner for entire possessions was a good idea. Like the only time that worked, Jerome Martin jacked up a three from right in front of them. But otherwise, what a disaster. Well, and that's like showing people in the crowd getting excited about Hungry Jacks when there's live action going on. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. Yeah, the, the league's messed up the cameras. Yeah. So, sure, we're going to look at the third imports this week, but we're running out of time. So we might punt that to next week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. By that stage, we would have a, had a chance to see Clark play as well for Sydney. So Yeah, so it's a little bit off the back of the fact that people like Michael Frazier, Mikhail McIntosh, and a few of these other guys. Raffin Mays. Yeah, they're maybe yeah. Little, obviously Stephen Zimmerman as well. They've been yeah, yeah. a little bit lackluster. So I just want to have a look at that. Yeah, we'll have a, a chat about that next week. And look, maybe that third import spot is a little bit down to the fact that you don't pay them as much and you can't expect as much production out of them. But we'll look at that next week. Thanks for listening to this Sport Bloke segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes. 